The Southern Fried Witch. And I'm too swamped to do this episode today. <laughs> and I'm doing it anyway. I really have to get ahead of these. I'm so sorry, y'all. Real life is hard. My uh, son has been in the hospital for stomach trouble. My partner has injured his back. And uh, we had a runaway dog and a runaway rabbit. It has been difficult. But here I am. Y'all know, recently I was asked to write a, uh, an essay of sorts for a magazine under my government name, and it was all about Halloween. I thought that was kind of funny. They were like, do you think you can write about Halloween? I was like, oh, I'll try to squeeze it out, baby. <laughs> sure, maybe I could do it. Anyway, I did write about Halloween, and... I really found that, well, number one, let's all just take a break. I know y'all are with me. What the hell is that with this summer? It has been nothing but trouble. I'm not alone in saying, come on, October. Am I right? I used to feel otherwise. I'm a witch who loves October. I think most of us do. I mean, hello, are you even there? Obviously. But at the same time, I know what's happening behind it, <laughs> and that's winter, and that's dead things, and that's, you know, less sun, and I, I'm a spring baby. I'm an Aries. It's, it's kind of hard on me. So being an overthinker and a type A, Samhain, as well as Halloween, and we're going to get to how they are different, I've always meant like this great like Saturnalia and sinking into the holiday and feeling those fires, but at the same time, always feeling like I'm on a cliff, knowing what comes next. Not a winter girl. But as I get older, and as <laughs> climate change has had its way with our summers, I think yesterday was feels like 106 down here. Um, not so much anymore. No, not at all. And so I've never been able to enjoy the holiday the way that I think everyone in my coven does, everyone that I know actually does, because I'm wasting all of my time over there going, y'all, it's about to be cold and not enjoying myself. So today, I want to talk to y'all about how Halloween saved my Samhain, and they are completely different. And I get that we are in what, mid-August, by the time you hear this, a little bit later, I get that it's still summer outside, y'all. But there's not a damn one of us that I've talked to that is not hankering right now for a bonfire and a cool breeze and a sweater or two. So I'm going to talk about it because it struck me and that's where I am right now in my head. Halloween. Well, I don't know about y'all, but it was a reprieve for me. Growing up, it's not like everybody in the deep south celebrated Samhain. 
nor did I fully understand when I was a child that there was something deeper behind the holiday. Rather, this was Saturnalia. This was the party, man. And it all began on October 1st. It meant full permission to ignore homework, (laughs) cleaning your house, doing anything that sucked. It was from that first day, right? What am I going to be? What am I going to be for Halloween? And then, of course, the costumes and the harvest parties that would happen around here. Oh, my goodness. You know, Christians can put on a wonderful fall party. They really can. I mean, they're so focused on making it an extravaganza of Harvest Wanda that they don't even they don't even see that they've actually accidentally landed <laughs> smack dab in Halloween. I mean, sans the vampire teeth and the occasional monster. In the Deep South, they focus, especially churches do, on harvest. So we're talking caramel apples and face painting and, you know, rides, the fair, um, popcorn balls, all of that kind of fun thing. Hay rides, those are real big. You can find Jesus on the hay ride every day out here. But man, I tell you what, the kid I was would take it. I mean, to get me to forget about the horrors that were going on in my own home and, uh, you know, the blister of summer to suddenly be transported into the wonders of the Harvest Festival. Sure. You got me, baby. Let's ride. (laughs) But then there was also, you know, Halloween proper. Oh, my. Y'all remember? It's like asking an adult to consider Neverland. Oh, we can do it again today. It'll never be the same, but we can try to get close. And when we do, I think we have a window to what it used to be. But children know. Children know. It's the wonders of purple lots. Oh, my goodness. And orange pumpkins and monsters that are fun and scary and sometimes stop scaring you long enough to eat, you know, (laughs) a Reese cup. I mean, it was fantastic, wasn't it? Do you remember? I remember. I remember the cool, dark air and hoping it wasn't too cold because if it was too cold, parents would make you put a jacket on over your fantastically scary outfit and ruin the whole look. I was so pissed off when I realized I couldn't participate anymore in trick-or-treat, y'all. I was 13, and uh, that was my first um, introduction to New Jersey against my will. I think I've told y'all before that I was whisked away to New Jersey when I was 13 and then told I couldn't participate in Halloween. So what I did do (laughs) is um, I dressed up. It was a candy cane onesie and I put my hair in pigtails on either side of my head and got a lollipop. And basically, I went as a kid (laughs) so I could still get candy. And it got away with it because I was really short. It's a horrible moment when you can't go anymore. Trick-or-treating was magical. And it's it's heartbreaking when it happens when you're a kid. Anyway, 
They also had this wondrous thing I'd never heard of here in the deep south. New Jersey had something called Bright Night. Mm-hmm. Also known as Devil's Night or any rendition of something that sounds fantastic and makes me want to bite my finger. I, I'm like, hey, can I do that again? <laughs> yeah, and we would, of course, and it sounds horrible now, go ahead and judge me, get toilet paper and eggs and run amok and be very, very naughty. Fright Night was fantastic. I look back on that and I think, what value do these memories have for an aging witch? What did I learn from Halloween? We spend so much time, I think, carving that dividing line between Halloween and our beloved Samhain that we forget the lessons we learned or what they even have to do with each other. And I could go long and talk to you about All Saints Day and how turnips used to be carved in Ireland. You've already heard it. And I'm telling y'all that this fall... You'll see a lot of cool articles on it. (laughs) I don't want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about what they had to do with each other. These two wonderful entities. Halloween and Samhain. You want to hear a story? So my children are too old now to even remember. But I do have a grandchild about to go trick-or-treating for the very first time. But Halloween for us was about as Samhain light as I could get in teaching my children the wonders of this night. One of the first things I learned as a small child on Halloween is one of the very first things that I taught my kids. You know, it's very unlikely that we are born afraid of the things that go bump in the night. We're taught that. We replicate that. And anything that's not of the here and now on this plane becomes so terrifying. But the first thing that I taught my boys is that sometimes monsters eat caramel apples. (laughs) You know, when you can draw on the makeup and make yourself look very haggard and icky and something that came out of the swamp, but you still realize that you like candy... I don't know, there's something about that that helped my children to understand that not all monsters are something to be afraid of. Some things that go bump in the night just want to tell you something, or maybe they're lonely, or maybe you just accidentally overheard them (laughs) on the way to a party, or the dark, or the forest. So, we learned that right away. When I was very young, Like, I believe 10, my father took myself and my little brother to one of those J.C. haunted houses. I'd never been to one before, so I had no idea what I was going to get into that night. And y'all, immediately um, upon arrival, when we passed that threshold and everything got really weird really quick, I realized I'd made a horrible error in judgment and it was too late nobody listens to a 10 year old when she screamed nobody can ascertain the difference between real terror and fun and that kind of situation it was very loud it's very crowded and it was very 1976 
So no one listened to me. I had no voice. Um, I remember going into the first building, and it was one of those historical homes, so it really had the Halloween feel, you know. And the first room was where I learned how to have agency. So you see, Halloween has taught me a lot. It was one of those setups where the lights would go out and you were fine before they went out and then they came back on and you could see monsters coming out of the little cubby holes in the walls and the extra doorways and then the lights would go back out. So you didn't know where they were. And of course, there were no rules in the 70s. They could touch you, grab you, drag you around. I mean, it was... Pure, unadulterated terror, y'all, for somebody my age and my size. And I didn't really enjoy how close the monsters were getting. I mean, these were classical monsters. They were vampires and Frankenstein's monster. And they were very tall. (laughs) I think I could have fought them and borne all that horror if the lights wouldn't go out. But when the lights went out, I felt defenseless, and so I did the only thing I could think of. I had just gotten my first pair of contact lenses, y'all. Mm-hmm. You know what? That does change the story. Hold up. When I tell y'all stuff, I don't have any notes written, but now I realize that makes me 12 somewhere there. And you know what? It was a long time ago. Fuck it. I cannot remember. So I'm short. And I just had gotten my first contact lenses. They cost a lot of damn money back then. And they were the hard ones that you would pop into your mouth in third period to clean off. Which is nasty and you shouldn't do that. Anyway, there was no way my father was going to allow anything to happen to that kind of money. I mean, my screams and pleads and... Desperate clinging to his leg. That wasn't going to matter. But when I hollered out, everybody stop, I lost a contact lens, (laughs) which was firmly in my eye. That changed the game. Adult tall kinds of people suddenly wanted the lights on. And it stopped. The lights went on. The monsters got down on their hands and knees and looked around. I know. Only people of a certain age are going to know what it's like when somebody would holler out, I lost a contact lens, but it saved me one night. And while they were on their hands and knees and scrambling about and looking for a very tiny little blue-gray lens, I snuck out the front door and ran all the way to the car and locked myself in. However, that moment taught me that sometimes monsters are just like us. And when the light's on and they're desperately trying to do something mundane, you realize that. And the fear dissipates a lot. I've never been a fan of Haunted House. Not that kind. I'm way more comfortable with real ghosts (laughs) and ghoulies and beasties than I would ever be in a um, haunted house that doesn't have the same rules that they have. You know, humans are the scariest monsters I've ever met. So that's the first thing I learned from Halloween. I learned, no, Lord, that's not the first damn thing, but that's an important thing, and I taught it to my sons quite early. 
we would go and go to these beautiful haunted houses way out here in the country. And y'all, that's scary too. (laughs) Oh my. Let me tell you what a real horror show is. And that's out in the country of Alabama with a bunch of Republican redneck Christians. Now that's terrifying. (laughs) But they would make their choices if they wanted to go in. Mama didn't go in anymore. So they would make their choices. And if they wanted to go in, I let them. But if I saw any fear on their face at all, I'd always learn the names of the real actors before they went in. I was also a professor in this town and I was able to find out who they were and some of them were my students and I gave them a safety word and made sure that everybody would respect the safety word. So they they were able to allow the fear as far as they were comfortable with it. And that's important because that's early boundaries, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which does sort of lead me to the next one. And the next one is that grandmas and mommies and daddies sometimes, depending on who they are, and if you were very lucky as a child, can slay dragons. You know, my stepfather, who was really my heart father, was very fond of using Monster Away glitter. I can bless his heart. When I look back on that, I'm like, glitter? Ugh. But he did, and it wasn't for me. I was too grown for that. It was for my baby sister. And I did the same thing because there was power in manifesting something and believing in something and signifying something to be your safety, to be a talisman of sorts. And so when they learned that I could slay the dragons, an oogie boogie that they were afraid of. They also learned then they could slay the dragons. And of course, please don't go slay dragons. We all love dragons. You get the idea. The boogeyman. Let's change that to the boogeyman. And so I would eventually leave that magic dust with them so that they could do their own and learn their own power. And while I'm sure it did not go very far, toward comforting my sons when we get on these hay rides out in the country that were meant to scare you and mama would take her hoodie and put it up over her head and not look the whole night <laughs> while they went ah and screamed beside me it did show them it's okay to be afraid sometimes that even adults can be afraid the whole point was to eventually transfer that power to them so that they would be able to defend themselves against anything that scared the bejesus out of them in the dark. And speaking of the dark, another thing I learned from Halloween and that I tried to teach my sons is that the dark holds wonders, that it's okay to have a little curiosity about that and not just assume it's a terrifying thing. You know, I'm very concerned for my granddaughter and I've made my position well known that I don't want her to be afraid of bugs and snakes and spiders. Rather, I want her to learn to identify the venomous ones and the more dangerous ones, but not to categorize everything that slithers or crawls as bad. And that's what Halloween taught me too. I would see all these beautiful cobwebs that people would replicate and then it wouldn't make any sense to me. Why then were you screaming when you ran into one? 
that was real in the woods or on your porch. It didn't make sense to me. Yes, yes, I get it. They were part of the Halloween extravaganza. But I already wasn't afraid of ghosts. And I mean, I'd been hanging out with them for so long, ever since I was small. And I'd met so many really nice spiders in my life. So when my granddaughter came along, and her mama cannot help it, y'all. She cannot help it. It's built into her body a little bit too deep. If she sees a spider, even a tiny one, a itty bitty tiny one that falls down from the ceiling, it's automatic shivers and screaming and running. Although I do think she's trying to get better on that. But I noticed my grandchild doing the same thing. And again, just like the little girl who needed to have autonomy and power and a scary moment, I want to give that to my grandchild. Is that a venomous spider? Very unlikely. Uh, where we live, a brown recluse, well, we're probably not going to see him very often. He's going to be hiding in the shadows somewhere. And a black widow, well, again, <laughs> they're not fond of sunshine and porches and rain and all of that, they're going to also be hiding somewhere. So when we see a banana spider, or one of my favorites, just a run-of-the-mill orb weaver of any kind, but especially the garden ones, I don't want her to be afraid. Quite literally, I, I would bet, after all of my knowledge on them, that the only way that it would bite you is if you tried to squish it <laughs> or hold it. And most of us who are afraid of things are not going to try that anyway. So I'm trying to instill in her this understanding because I believe that the dark holds wonders, not just terrors. And sometimes what we're afraid of in that abyss and those shadows, why, it's the most magical thing of all. And we could miss that. And so Halloween also taught me that. Oh, it taught me other things, too. It taught me that there is such a thing as too much candy, y'all. There is. Believe me, I found that out the hard way when I was a kid. It taught me that negotiation is everything if you've got a sibling. <laughs> and if you don't, if you have a good friend. I mean, let's just hope that we don't all love Reese's Cup, right? But there was always some negotiation to be had, and it had to be fair and even. And that was an important life lesson for me. It also taught me that dressing up was glowing up. You know, we had to spend our days with these mundane clothes and these ordinary lives. And then suddenly we got to express things inside of us that otherwise would not have been allowed to be whatever they are, whatever we wanted to be. That was critical when I was very young toward understanding my LGBTQ friends, although we didn't call them that back then, but that really helped me to understand. I too <laughs> wanted to be a warrior goddess. That was what I wanted to be. I don't think I was ever a princess. Oh, and on that, I also learned that while monsters could be sweet, <laughs> Pretty little princesses with their pink adornment could be evil. Now, I don't believe in these words anymore, but you get the idea. Nothing is what it seems to be. 
symptoms, and Halloween taught me that. But also Halloween taught me that stories are everything. Oh, you know the ones, and you're sitting around a campfire, and everyone's participating, and they don't even have to be that frightening. But the fright always made me feel more safe. There's a very serious faction of us on the planet, honey, that are comforted by the horror. It doesn't make any sense, I know. But there's something about it all. When we come out of it and we go back to our nice, safe little homes, or in my case, not so safe, but still, (laughs) maybe not quite as bad as the story I just heard. But we also heard stories of children who were able to survive any manner of nightmares, you know? These were our legends. And Stephen King was my hero. I snuck one of his books into my pile back in the 70s. It was his very first book, and it hit my local library. I'm sure they had no idea what it was. I'm sure they didn't have any clue what was inside the cover. But it was Carrie, and it had just been released, and it was at the local library, and I'd way outdone myself over here on the kids section, and on this one, I'm almost 100%. It was 1975, maybe six. You know what? I'm never sure of anything, and I slid this book into the pile of my mother's choices that she wanted to take out for that week, and and then I, I said to her, hey... Can I check out today? I'm big now. I can I can do it. And she said, sure, because she was in the middle of reading some kind of glamour magazine. And I was able to sneak it right back out of the pile when we got to the car. And Stephen King, oh my goodness. I can't even imagine a Halloween without thinking of him. Not everything always worked out beautifully or brilliantly. That could not be true. However, I would say that three-fourths of the time, if you were a child in one of his stories and you were anywhere near being designated the main character, you were going to fight. You were going to fight and you might even win. It didn't mean that you weren't going to suffer, but you were going to fight. And I had never seen in my life that kind of story or heard that kind of story where a child could fight evil, could fight bad guys, you know, could fight the real monsters of the world and somehow survive. Oh, no, honey. No, no, no. That changed the game for this kid. I needed that because my life was a bit of a horror show as a child. So, yeah. And then, of course, there was the movie Halloween. Oh, my goodness. Released when I was 12 years old. And I'm quite the geek about it. Haddonfield has nothing on me. I know every factoid about that film. And I remember learning that, and I look back on it, and it sort of bothersome, and it probably doesn't hold up as well anymore. But I remember learning that you didn't have to sexualize yourself. You could be the nerd, the geek, the smart girl. You could be the one who might have crushes, but maybe didn't feel like taking her clothes off quite yet. And you could win. You could win. You could fight the boogeyman and survive. 
It doesn't necessarily mean, and this was critical, that the boogeyman was dead. It did mean that you survived it. And that's another thing I learned during Halloween. That would come in very, very importantly to my life when I was older and married to my first husband, who became quite the boogeyman, bless his heart. I remember running in the woods the day I left him with my daughter in my arms in the snow in North Alabama. And I remember thinking over and over, what would Laurie do? And that might sound silly, but I was only like 23. And I kept thinking, what would Laurie do? And she would fight this monster. But first, first she would get the child to safety. And that's the only way I survived that as the shotgun went off over my head and hit the trees all around me and I ran and ran. Halloween taught me that I could be tough and I could be strong. And again, regretfully, it also taught me that the real monsters are the people sometimes very close to you. And there are other things too, y'all. It wasn't just these lessons that I thought through and All of the wonder and the magic. And I also learned about harvest. I learned that the pumpkins that I wanted so desperately to carve into and light up and and dance around when I was a little girl had to grow somewhere. And that this was the season. This was it, y'all. This is when they were ready. Someone grew them from a tiny seed. Oh, all of it was so wondrous. All of it was so everything. So today when I hear folks say that we need to mind that separation between Halloween and Samhain, where they are so distinctly different, I think I would argue with you a little. Yes, yes, they are different, but I I don't think I could give up either of them. For Halloween is the celebration and the mayhem and the daring of the dark to come at us. Come on, what do you have? You know, it is the grand opus of our year, from the chocolate to the mulled wine to the face paint. It is Saturnalia, and that only comes when we are fighting the boogeyman. That only comes from that great battle once per year. Whether you're the old woman walking behind a tiny toddler, watching her for the first time jump at a little vampire coming out from behind a shrub and teaching her that she's strong and to put her hand out and say, no, be gone with thee. (laughs) I'm that grandma, by the way. Or if it's just the kid who's reveling in chocolate and the freedom to be who they really wanted to be that day and put on that damn makeup and wear that dress. It is all of it wrapped up into one. And for that to come butt-ass up on the night that I honor my ancestors and dance around fires and lift up the bounty of the harvest for the year and allow the veil to take me into it, Until I can't tell the difference between where my body ends and the other side, well, (laughs) dances with me. Of course that's the culmination of all of it. As an adult, of course it is. 
And Halloween teaches us to be brave enough to do that. Mm-hmm. So I know it's a strange thing that I wanted to talk to you about today, but I was asked to write something, like I said, in my government name about Halloween. And I kind of cackled at that. I found that adorable because they had no idea who I am. For this old witch, Halloween will always be dancing with Samhain hand in hand, purple lights and candy corn up against ancestors and roaring fires. They belong together. Cultural constructs that we make, rituals that we undertake when we're children, become part and parcel of who we are as witches. So, this Halloween, go ahead, have fun. (laughs) It's not taking away from anything. And in fact, it might enrich your experience altogether that night. Okay, I need to do a shout out for my new patrons. It's been a minute, so we have quite a few. And my Patreon is the only way that I can stay on the air, y'all. We don't do paid ads right now, at least. I don't know if we ever will. But if we did, I'd let you know about them first. So this is the only support that the podcast gets. And I cannot thank you enough. So shout outs for Amy, Kara. I love this one. The Bearded Weirdo. Dude. Yes. Um, Maja, Caitlin, and Karen. And in the future, if you join our Patreon and you want me to say your last name, I need permission because I'm automatically protecting your identity as much as possible. So thank y'all so much. The Bat Children Ball that we are holding from October 27th until... October 29th out in the country of Alabama has about formed up completely. There are two tickets left to the Bat Children Ball, and that's a good thing. I've already paid for the land. It's been rented. We're ready to go. But there are a few things I still have to do, like porta potties and such. But whatever proceeds are left over are going towards lifting us out here in the country into a very serious antenna and satellite use. So eventually I'll be able to go live, y'all, and I'm very excited about that. It takes me about an hour and a half to load a two-minute video out here. So this is a fundraiser, but you also get to hang out with us and sit around fires with me and do an on-the-spot podcast that Saturday night. So I really do hope that somebody picks up these last two tickets to get them. You have to be a patron at any level. So thank you so much for that support. Sorry that I've ushered in the fall season a little bit early, but (laughs) y'all, I needed it. And maybe you did too. Blessed be y'all. Talk to you next week. Love you like chicken. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.